0: Hi, I'm Susan Moser with Cherry Beckert, leader of our firm's government contracts practice. Welcome to our podcast today. We've had a number of podcasts. This is a podcast where we're going to be discussing the Biden administration's executive order on cybersecurity. So, joining me today, I have with me my two colleagues, John Ford. John has been a senior consultant in our government contracts practice for let's just say more than a dozen years, um, helping us with all types of issues that go along with um, understanding the the federal government as a customer. Um, In addition to John, joining me is Neil Bacon. Neil is a principal in our risk advisory practice, uh, cybersecurity. He leads our firm's initiatives on CMMC, and uh, many of you have probably participated in other podcasts that uh, Neil has regularly contributed to um, regarding uh, CMMC. So, what we thought we would do today, the uh, the Biden administration issued an executive order in May on cybersecurity. It was quite an extensive executive order. Um, so, we know most people have not had a chance to 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 read it. Um, and don't know too much about what's included so what we thought we would do today is talk a little bit about what is in the executive order um what are the impacts how does this um sort of compete or or intersect with cmmc and really what companies should be should be thinking about right now so so i want to start with uh with john um so john maybe just um to start just talk a little bit about what is the uh, you know what is the authority of an executive order uh and and you know how is that different than than a you know a law or regulation by congress
1: all right thanks susan yes as excuse me as the introductory language to the executive order uh stated it was issued pursuant to statutory authority granted to the president and the powers granted to the president by the Constitution. From that, we derive the idea that an executive order is an action taken by the president pursuant to a statute or some power granted to the president by the Constitution. It applies to the executive branch of the government. Executive orders are not used to impose uh, duties or obligations on private citizens, nor are they used to confer uh, direct benefits, privileges uh, on a private citizen. So generally as we look at executive orders, as they relate to private citizens, which includes companies, it requires uh, the executive order would require the issuance of regulations. Uh, executive orders have a long history, uh, particularly in regard to government contracting. And probably one of the, the seminal executive orders on government contracting was President Johnson's uh, executive order in, back, I think it was in 1965 or 1966. Prohibiting discrimination in construction contracting by the federal government. So that uh, construction contractors were prohibited by executive order from discriminating uh, against uh, minorities. Of course, that came, the power for that came from the president's authority to issue regulations regarding contracting so uh that is the beginning probably the beginning of the modern day use of executive orders uh particularly in regard to government contracting
0: okay and we've we've certainly uh, with every change in administration there is always a flurry of executive orders oftentimes uh canceling the previous administration's executive orders um But uh, it is something we uh, increasingly see, and obviously it does have a lot of impact on on contractors. Um, So this uh, executive order, um, again, is is pretty extensive. I think it's 28 pages in length. Um, So John, maybe you can give us, and and I know this is a difficult question I'm asking you, to to give us a a summary of the actions and maybe the timelines, that are included in the, in the executive order, really as it relates to, I guess, three different groups, because I think there's, um, you know, federal agencies, one, um, two, contractors, government contractors, and three, there's also some references to the private sector, to commercial companies. So maybe just, you know, give us a little summary on what are, the, some, what are some of the things that are included in this executive order and, and the potential timelines that are laid out.
1: All right, well, in regard to contractors, it, it is a mishmash in regard to uh, who is going to be responsible for making recommendations for coverage that goes into the FAR. Uh, the executive order basically gives, uh, assigns responsibility to uh, two lead agencies but the lead agencies are to coordinate with other agencies in regard to FAR coverage. Uh, The primary lead agencies are OMB and DHS. Now, generally, uh, and there are different timelines throughout the executive order. Uh, For example, OMB is to issue some... Uh, proposed changes to the FAR to the FAR Council within 90 days after the executive order was issued. Uh, also, DHS is supposed to issue uh, proposed changes within 60 days after the date of the executive order. <coughs> Excuse me. And going further, OMB is supposed to issue some uh, guidelines within one year after the date of the executive order. So we see that uh, when I say guidelines, I'm talking about proposed changes to the FAR. Uh, what, once the lead agency makes uh, recommendations to the FAR Council for changes to the FAR, uh, the FAR Council has various timelines. Generally, it's 60 days uh, within which to issue proposed rules to make changes to the far and these proposed rules have to be published are to be published in the federal register for public comment, there is no timeline as to when the final rules have to be issued so they can, that may run out for some period of time into the future. In regard to uh, agencies, the executive order primarily focuses on civilian agencies and what it does in addition to the changes that are gonna be made uh, by the FAR, one of the uh, issues that comes up where agencies would have to react to recommendations made by these lead agencies is that in regard to, uh, software, once, uh, the lead agency, oh, I think is OMB in this case makes recommendations as to, uh, some characteristics of software, uh, that are designed to prevent, uh, hacking like we had with this uh, colonial pipeline, uh, software that doesn't meet the characteristics uh, established uh, by the FAR in response to the, the recommendations by uh, the OMB uh, contracts are supposed to be modified to eliminate from those contracts any software that fails to meet the characteristics that have been established for the FAR. So that's gonna be one uh, major contracting activity for uh, agencies, and this uh, applies to all agencies, not just civilian agencies. But uh, going beyond that, uh, for example, one thing that's supposed to happen, uh, a responsibility imposed on civilian agencies is to establish what's called an endpoint uh detection and response initiative which is directed by OMB. So this is uh OMB will take the lead on this and uh where agencies are supposed to come up with this uh where processes to respond to uh hacking or cybersecurity incidents or potential incidents. Uh DHS is supposed to develop a playbook. That's what the executive order uses that term, playbook. So uh in uh planning and conducting cybersecurity vulnerability and incident uh response activities. So this is supposed to be used uh to, by all civilian agencies what the executive order calls FCEBs, Federal Civilian Executive uh, Agencies. And also DOD and DHS are supposed to coordinate with each other on having to, how they share information between the two in regard to uh, cybersecurity incidents or vulnerabilities in various systems. And also within, uh, 60 days of the issuance of the executive order, the secretary of defense is supposed to adopt a national security system requirement. Um, that are equivalent to or exceed the cybersecurity requirements that are imposed on the civilian agencies. So there are a lot of uh, moving parts to this executive order. And uh, of course, the big thing is going to be for contractors is how the FAR is ultimately amended. One interesting thing about the uh, the recommendations that are supposed to be made for amending the FAR is that the executive order indicates that the uh, security requirements that are going to be imposed on contractors in regard to government systems would also apply to contractor systems. So if a contractor has a, an automated contract writing system, the security requirements would apply to that automated contract writing system.
0: So John, so there's obviously a lot that agencies, multiple agencies, are going to have to grapple with and, and look at and 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 a lot of different dates. And so this is a this is going to be a somewhat slow-moving process. Um, I, I mean, as it should be, obviously it's a very complex oh. area. Um, are there things that contract that are called out for in the con, in, in the order for contractors uh, directly, or is it really going to be um, as a result of the the implementing new FAR requirements?
1: It's going to be implementing new FAR requirements. Uh, the executive order sets out certain requirements or characteristics that that systems will have will have to meet. And then it's going to be up to the lead agency in coordination with the other agencies, such as, you know, when uh DHS is the lead, they have to co, uh, coordinate with DOD, the attorney general, uh, some other, uh, agencies in regard to, uh, how, how the far will be amended. And the executive order for certain of these characteristics or certain of these uh, attributes of cybersecurity lays out specific requirements. Uh, For example, I think in, in one of them, there are 10 requirements that are listed that the changes to the FAR have to address these 10 requirements. So as we see, it's it is quite extensive and how those requirements are ultimately imposed on contractors it will have to see coming from the recommendations from the lead agency to the far council how they uh gerrymander uh those recommendations what the public comments have to say about uh, the requirements and how they're supposed to be met so um it's A lot of, as I said, there's a lot of moving parts and right now, uh, the best thing contractors can do is to see what they can anticipate possible changes to the FAR being. Yeah, Because it's, it's going to take some time to implement once the FAR is modified or amended for agents, not agencies, but for contractors to implement those requirements. Yep. It's yep. not going to happen overnight.
0: Yep. So I'm going to, in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask Neil a, a couple of questions. But so the, the you know, this executive order was issued within a week or so of the Colonial Pipeline uh, hack, which obviously the Colonial Pipeline was a private company that serves obviously consumers and businesses, not the federal agencies. Um, this this executive order, my guess is, was probably in the works before the the Colonial hack, but that obviously maybe the maybe it was accelerated you know, in response to that. I don't know. But um, did this um, did the executive order address um, you know initiatives or, or proposals for private companies that that don't work with the federal government?
1: Not directly, but it does have some uh shall we say encouraging language in the executive order to uh, uh encourage um uh, private companies who in are involved or have the, the uh, software or are vulnerable to cybersecurity incidents uh to be uh updating their security rec- uh protocols and to try to adapt to, uh, changing environments so that there are, as I said, there are encouraging words in the executive order, but no direct requirements because okay. the, the president wouldn't have those, that authority, authority to issue a direct requirement on a private company, uh, um, unless they're dealing with the government or there is some other authority on the part of the president.
0: Right. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. So, so Neil, so let me ask you a few questions. So Neil spends all of his time dealing with cybersecurity issues, helping companies uh, uh, prepare, uh, respond to uh, and, and all types of things and has really been um, just uh, very focused over the last couple of years, really helping companies prepare for CMMC. So, so Neil, you know, how do you think this executive order impacts um, the, the CMC requirements for, for DOD, I guess is my first question to you.
2: Sure, yeah, and, and it's interesting, Susan, I think um, only time will tell, but obviously the executive order uh, was largely Focused on un- government agencies, um, as John mentioned, um, although it did touch on on the private sector, whereas uh, CMMC was is rather focused on really initially the defense contracting community serving the DoD, expected to roll beyond the DoD, but as a result, you know this this interdependency really it, you know it, it creates an increase in, in what's known as supply chain risk, and no more is that you know more evident than what we've seen over the past six months to a year with things like the Microsoft Exchange hack and Solar Winds and Colonial Pipeline. Um, obviously, the ransomware attack that, that happened recently. So at this point, you know, we're not just talking about national security. Uh, we're talking about things like economic security, infrastructural security and so forth. And I think the one takeaway that's obviously clear is that this administration is by no means um, shying away from or, or redirecting efforts away from cybersecurity resilience and obviously when as you mentioned changes administration can undo certain things in previous administrations and, and push their own agenda but this is something that i think we can all agree is going to continue and is needed to continue um, as it relates directly to cmmc it obviously was not called out directly in executive order so there's some uh speculation going on at this time as to what impact it could have in cmmc Personally, uh, my opinion is that um, uh, you know it may cause some retooling on the the uh, government contracting side. But as I mentioned previously, previously this isn't something that's going away. Um, rather, it looks to be and, and, and should be uh, continually strengthened across uh, the government contracting community that ultimately is working with these agencies. Uh, it's no secret that when you look at the the public and private sector, the private is typically ahead in all things technology and. Part of that is uh cyber posturing and, and uh, defense in depth and so forth and this executive order lays out uh several topics in order to really ramp up efforts on the federal side um, to close that gap and um you know obviously modern modernized technology modernize the way they're doing business interfacing with uh contracting with you know software providers and, and other uh, government contractors so long-winded answer um but one that i i think is TBD on the CMMC front. Uh, as of the time of this podcast, all systems go on CMMC, and things are are charging ahead. We have started seeing it pop up either directly or indirectly in uh, in other contracts, and something that I think is going to continue because it's obviously uh, a need that this country is is finally facing head on.
0: Yep. So, so Neil, as as you just mentioned, so CMMC obviously started with DoD as a lot of these, um, you know, types of Initiatives and and priorities start with CM uh, with DOD and then um, sort of uh, expand to other agencies. Um, you you have seen we are seeing. I know uh, a couple of agencies have issued. Uh, I'm going to call it CMMC like requirements into into RFPs. Um, it doesn't sound like this executive order really impacts or will sort of accelerate or decelerate any of those initiatives because they were already underway. And and as John mentioned, the this executive order is going to take quite some time to to roll out. I would agree. So so Neil, you know, thinking about um, you know, the executive order, sort of CMMC in its current state, um, what what should companies be be doing now?
2: So w- what's interesting is um, you know, from, from my perspective, and granted, I deal with this day in, day out, companies shouldn't be waiting on any sort of executive order or direction from the government to protect their systems and data. The fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who you are, you are a target yep. for one reason or the other. You have something of value, even if it's your relationships or connections to other folks within your supply chain. And that's what's really uh you know, what's driving a lot of everything in the executive order to CMMC to some of the more recent DFARS clauses is to protect that supply chain. So, our advice would be no different than it would have been, you know, prior to the executive order, prior to the Colonial Pipeline hack, is to protect uh, some of what are your most valuable assets, in this case, your data. You hear the term data is the new oil um, and and it should be looked at as such and be protected as such. So, um, to answer your question, Advice would be the same in in terms of taking a look at uh, your own um, infrastructure, your own systems, your own um, people, process, technology that make up those systems, and uh, not only educating your users, but looking to um, you know harden your systems that that are housing that data. So the advice would be the same as as always: consider it that that you are. A target, and therefore, you should view yourself as such and protect yourself as such as well.
0: Great, great. Uh, well, that's uh, we'll we'll call it a wrap on this. Um, you know, this obviously, this is probably the hottest topic. It's it's probably the thing that uh, that keeps many companies up at night. Um, Neil and the rest of our uh, our uh, risk advisory cybersecurity security practice um, is spending a lot of time helping companies, not just. Uh, you know, before companies get to the assessment point for CMMC, there's a lot of work, um, for companies that's needed to evaluate, you know, uh, are they ready? How, how, how do their systems and controls and processes compare? So, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to Neil or any of the other folks in our RAS practice. And, uh, I'm sure we will, uh, we have, uh, had a number of uh, podcasts on this topic and we will continue to to keep everyone updated um as um circumstances change as the uh, timelines change and so uh, don't hesitate uh, to reach out to us so thanks for listening today and uh, more to come